So uh, I have to be careful now because when I say it to you, it tends to happen. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, there are some very no strong Norwegians on outgoing contract. Um, and uh, I hope to get at least some of them back to my team. But I, I don't think I will be able to get all of them. But... G'day legends and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift. Good to have you guys back. The Australian summer cycling, well, it's over, but how good was it? It was amazing, and I really hope you guys enjoyed the uh, Australian-focused episodes. And um, thanks to everyone who tuned in, and of course, thanks to Cyclic, who are the summer sponsor of the podcast. And most of all, uh, thanks to Zwift as well, who is our title sponsor, and of course, Smith Optics and Attacker. We'll be giving away some uh, Attacker socks and that sort of stuff over the next few uh, months. I've got the box right in front of me. I haven't actually opened it yet, but I'm going to open it up and we'll do a cool little giveaway throughout the year. Maybe we'll do, um, maybe picking winners of races or something like that over on the Instagram. So make sure you um, check out the Instagram, make sure you're following us on there and i say us it's just me but yeah follow the page and smith optics as well we've got some cool stuff happening with them um waiting on these really cool sunnies to arrive but i'll put those up on um on insta uh at some point but hey summer season's done and um now we're moving over to the european season and we'll start to focus the episodes and the guests more on the european riders and hopefully show you um, some of the up-and-coming riders, some of the big-name riders, and I guess just present to you their personality, have a relaxed chat, and try and see what makes them tick when they're not always thinking about bike racing. But today's guest, Legends, we saw him last year, we chatted with him last year, it's Jens Hogland, the CEO and the general manager of Uno X. All the teams, the women's, the men's, and the Devo team, and even the business, Uno X. He is the GM of that as well, so his heart is in the game. We chatted with him last year. He told us he wants the team for the men's team to go to the Tour de France, and he also said he wanted to sign Alexander Kristoff if he could sign anyone. And what did he do? He got the Tour de France start for the men's, and then he got the uh, he got the big Kristoff, the big juice in the team. And how exciting was that? Because Kristoff just had a ripping 2022. So naturally, this year I thought, Jens, let's catch up and let's see what's going on for this year, and let's talk about how the team, the men's team, got the Tour de France start. And we chat about that, and Jens tells us how it all happened, how, you know, what he had to do to get the Tour de France start, all the things that led up to it. And he even shares the moment he got the call from Christian Prudhomme that he was going to the Tour with the UNOX men's team. So cool, and it was a really good moment on the podcast. So, uh, yeah, we chat about that. And, of course, I ask him who he'd like to sign at the end of this year and, Hey, it's a bit of the Oracle thing happening now. Whoever he says means it's going to happen, and I'm not surprised about who he said, and I wonder if you guys would be surprised as well, and we'll see if they get signed next year. But Legends, it is time, okay? It's time to get ready for the episode, but before we do, one last plug. I can't do this, guys, without you guys, firstly, and secondly, I can't do it without Zwift. Zwift have been the title sponsor since three months into the podcast, and you know how much I love Zwift. It's a fantastic training tool. It's perfect in the winter, and it's, a, it's an enabler for cycling for people who work all the time, single parents, 
people who are maybe just too unfit or not confident to go out on the road. It gives everybody a platform to ride their bikes and the gamification and the fun element to it, it's amazing. Um, my fiance Megan, her dad started Zwifting uh, a couple of, maybe the start of last year and we got him a fan, we got him the Ergo, and he loves it, and he's getting really fit, and it's just one of those stories. It's the beauty of Zwift. So make sure, if you haven't tried it, and you're an Australian maybe, and we're coming into winter, maybe two or three months' time, get yourself an Ergo, and get yourself on Zwift. It's just amazing. But all right, guys, this is it. We're going to get stuck into the first episode, I guess, of the European season. We've got Jens Hogland. Make sure you follow UnoX on all their social media. They're really, really good, especially on YouTube. Follow the blogs on their website that I mentioned in this podcast with Jens. And um, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode, and I'll see you soon. Pretty, pretty positive start. I really liked in the Saudi tour, uh, young Hanson on the first stage off on his own at the front. Yes, uh, Hanson was, was good. He, he, he got the blue jersey in Saudi. Um, and uh, and Søren Varenshol, he, he took a stage. Yes. So um, um, I would say it was a really good start for us. We, we did well also in Bessers and in Valenciana certain days. Um, but it's always about getting those five days all together, you know, in those stage races. Um, but we can see that we have the level to compete with the best. Um, but at the same time, it's very early in the year. And uh, we have more important things coming up a bit later this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to touch yeah. on that uh, soon. But um, I thought for 2023, I wanted to know if you guys, Zuno X across the men's and the women's, is there any new equipment on board this year? Oh, and in the new equipment, uh, I might have some secrets that I can't share uh, quite yet. Uh, okay. But equipment is continuously a process of developing, you know, and uh, you kind of think that you will re reach a certain uh, point where it's not possible to, to find those gains anymore. But uh, we still feel that we are there. Um, with the bikes, of course, we are uh, now in the men's team and, uh, and partly in the women's team, we are over on a black dare bike, um, which is more fitted to our um, requests, I would say. Mm. Uh, so we are using that aero frame uh, all over. You will see it this, this year. Um, and uh, yeah, in addition, we of course might bring on some other things, uh, but um, I have to keep that to my to myself for a bit. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, one thing, yeah. uh, and I agree with you with the. It seems like how much faster can all this stuff get? Uh, and I feel mm. like the 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 kit and the cycling clothing is one thing that it seems to. I don't know. Maybe no one's. We haven't found the fastest yet. And I really like how UnoX has Bio Racer. They seem to be one of the mm. fronts with regards to aerodynamics. Yes, um, and BioRacer has been a partner with us actually since we started the team and uh, Ineos came on board uh, two years ago. Um, so I guess that's a, that's a sign of quality for the brand. Uh, they, they are, of course, known for their uh, 
for their clothing in particular maybe on track with the, with Belgium and the Netherlands and Germany so so they, they know how to go fast and they they work in these Olympic circles uh cyclists so 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 um a fantastic brand and we have a very good corporations with the cooperation with the guys in Belgium um and at the same time you know when when talking about equipment and it, I think it's also to keep in mind for these youngsters that we have in the team that at the end of the day, it, it's the rider, do you know, that, that has to provide the answer. Um, I'm a bit I'm a bit afraid of ending up in a world where where everything is blamed uh, in regards to the equipment when 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 you're not performing the way you want. I'm not saying it it is it is like that, but I'm saying that I think. Uh, young or the younger generation now is a lot more equipment oriented mm -hmm. compared to earlier generations, which is in one side on, on the one side it's good, but the other side it also might work against them. So it's about finding that balance, I would say, in in being very much focused on the equipment, but at the same time don't forget to to do the job yourself. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I one thing I've been enjoying, Jens, is your um your blogs that you've been writing. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, last sort of three months or so, I found them really interesting, and I think you provided really good insight um, into the uh, just you know what you were doing as you know general manager. And um, one particular blog I liked was you touched on you were doing a review meeting at the end of November um, with the UCI. And, yes. and I, you sort of broke down where you sat as a team. And I wondered, when you're going to do that meeting um, with UCI, what, what is it actually for, the review meeting for Uno X? Uh, so in a license application process, it is very normal that you, uh, and, and in this case, we applied uh, to, to become a World Tour team uh, for the men's and the women's. Uh, this, this review meeting was not for the women's team because we already got the license there, but but it was a review meeting for the men's team. And, and this is basically, I would say it's about you, you hand in your application. The application is reviewed. You are then asked to, to meet the UCI and defend the application. And if there are any remarks or questions, you have the chance to reply to them in that meeting, in that review meeting. And then the license board will, will make a decision after that. Um, in our case, I was quite... Uh, I knew what was waiting for us a bit because I could see that our application was fulfilled. We, we, we got all the green lights in the application. We missed only one, one thing and that was the ranking points, which, which we knew. Um, so it, it was a good talk in about an hour with a lot of people uh, from the UCI and, and the license commission and one, and one from UNOX. <laughs> And uh, it was nice atmosphere. And, and I think it's, um, it, I, you can read a lot of criticism and discussions about these processes, but but to me, I, I think the processes has been quite um, open and clear and 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 kept within uh, the timeframes, at least for for you know, X, uh, the last years. So uh, I'm I'm quite comfortable with this process. Hmm. Do you think it makes a difference to your application, or do you think it has an impact? The fact that Uno X uh, on your um, quest to become a world tour team for that world tour license does having a women's world tour team impact positively? Do you think? 
Uh, yes, I think so, because it demonstrates uh, ambitions. Um, it also demonstrates, I would say, identity. Um, mm. I think the UCI, you, you can't like talk about just one uh, license cycle. You, you need to look at it in a, in a broader perspective. But I think the UCI is it's very interested in, in um, having depth in the peloton, you know. Uh, where where you have strong identities with clear philosophies, um, and I, I think um, Jake Oyula is, is is such a team, you know, been that for many years, appreciated by the UCI, and I think the UCI also appreciates a project coming out of Scandinavia, mm. showing the seriousness of what we want to achieve. So I, I absolutely think it in the very long term scale, it's worth a lot, um, and you are listened to. But at the same time, we have certain rankings and stuff that we of course need to 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 do well at mm. uh, when i was talking mm. with doug reiner from uh q36 you know he mentioned straight yeah. away that they were really keen this year to to chase after points early in the cycle and i guess you know i imagine that's going to be a pretty big um focus for you guys as well i guess we can say that uh, quite a lot of teams have learned their bit uh, from last year Realizing that oh boy, it's uh, time to calculate those points, and, and uh, I think everyone has a is a bit more on the radar regarding the points now um, from the from the start of the cycle, uh, which will be interesting to see how it develops in, in, over the three years. Um, so yeah, uh, and, and at the same time, you know, it's need to keep be careful with this stuff but because it's not too sexy from a long-term development perspective to talk about ranking points all the time in the system yeah. then if i push my sports directors and riders for points every time it, it, it is not how we necessarily want to develop our team and riders mm -hmm. so we just have to trust i would say that the way that we approach our racing that we will gain points from that uh, and of course, be a bit smart in which races we select. Mm. Um, so it's a combination of things. Uh, and at the end of the day, we have, we have always, every year, we have exceeded the points we made last year. Mm. So uh, I have no uh, other ambitions than making sure that that will happen in 23 as well. Mm, beautiful. You know, last year when we chatted, um, yes, you mentioned, you know, for the men's team, the Tour de France start was a very big goal. Yeah. You also mentioned that you would love to sign Alexander Kristoff. <laughs> two of those things. <laughs> and I'm really yeah. excited. And I think everyone was really excited. And, and to be honest, well-deserved from, from watching the team race on the men's side. Of course, the women's done great as well. Um, but well-deserved to get the Tour de France start. Yeah, and you've obviously been working really hard behind the scenes to make that happen. Um, but can you explain to us a bit of the process of how, uh, I guess, just how like rigorous the process of getting that um, Tour de France start mm. ends is? It's a, it's a bit difficult to make it short, but I, I will try. I'll at least try to speak fast. Thank you for your kind words. Um, so already last year, it was rumors talking about UNOX. They are getting closer to this wildcard spot. Um, we got invited to Volta Catalonia and Dauphiné, uh, both are Sul races, and I would describe it as a tester uh, for us. And also, of course, the way we raced, we had two top tens in Catalonia GC and, and we won the white jersey in, in Dauphiné. Yeah. So we kind of could tick, tick off the per, uh, sporting perspective on, on that one. 
and of course, everybody knows now the story of BNB, yeah. uh, which, which uh, for us, uh, I would say, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, of course, made the road a bit clearer. Uh, but at the same time, I also think that we deserve the respect of becoming the fourth best pro team in the peloton in two years in a row. So, so, yeah. so we have a very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I could. I went to the World Tour seminar in Monaco end of November. Uh, I could hear uh, it was a bit more whispering about the UNOX project and getting close to the Tour de France spot. I talked to my brother, which is the commercial director of the team, and said, this, "Now we, this is the time. Now we, now we just have to put all our efforts in, in making sure that that we that we are in a pole position here." Um, of course, I reached out to the ASU um, and and just, just wanting to to to, to present ourselves and, and to say, "Here we are, and this is our project." Uh, Mr. Plidholm uh, replied in a very nice way, saying that they had time for us. Uh, he first suggested a phone call, and uh, I replied, "I would. Uh, I guess he can confirm this as well." And I, I said, "No, not on the phone. I will meet you in person. I'm booking a tickets to Paris now." Uh, so basically, that's what I did. Very good. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know, 30 hours later or something, I was in Paris, Whoa. sitting around the table with with uh, the directors of ASU. And um, and I came late actually. I, that's another story. But I came late to the most important meeting in my life. <laughs> but I think I had a bit of a buffer, you know, because uh, I, I chose to go to Paris instead of taking it on the phone anyway. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it was a very warm, I would say, meeting. It was a meeting where I got attention. I could spend the time I wanted to tell about our project, our long-term views. Uh, and, and with, with no uh, promises made at all, but I still left there with the feeling that there, I had uh, every, nothing unsaid, you know. I, I, I got to introduce ourselves and, mm. and, and sit around the table with, with, the, uh, with the guys, and I really appreciated that. I went back, uh, that was mid-December, went back, heard nothing, celebrated Christmas, I checked my phone, I don't know, 10 times every day. Uh, and then the phone call came uh, the 1st of January. Uh, <laughs> I was supposed to pick up pizza for my kids the um, 1st of January. And, and then Prudhomme called and said, and uh, he said uh, to me that um, I see on social media that you say you are ready for 23, but are you really ready? Because we will invite you to the Tour de France. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> then I just... Uh, I, I, I think I just started uh, screaming and yelling, and I could just hear him laughing at the other end of the phone. <laughs> yeah, I want to throw that. Uh, it is, it is, yeah, and it is a story I will carry with me for the rest of my life. And um, also, you know, number one, we come from Norway. It's Norway. Is, we, we we don't get invited to the Tour de France. It's it's the it's a first timer. Um, and also, I'm a I'm also quite young in this world, you know. Um, a lot of uh, experienced people with um, with knowing how to sort out this stuff. So I'm I'm of course very glad that we found our way on solving it. Mm, yeah, and it just reminds me of the story of how you said you started the team. You know, you just had the the handful of dare bikes, uh, and mm. now from where you guys are now, it's just um, yeah, it's amazing. Both teams, you know, you know yeah, it's been hard. It's, it's been <laughs> What do you think? What's the most exciting part about the about the men's team going to the Tour de France? 
Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually most like two things, I guess. The, the internal one is to see the effect it will have in our team and our business. That is, of mm -hmm. course, very exciting because for us, it's a very integrated project into to what we are trying to achieve with our system. Yeah. And number two, I would say it's how, how will it affect the interest for cycling in Norway uh, from, a, from a development point of view and also from a spectator point of view. I, I think we are a bit lucky this year. Uh, th there's one, I would say, very important championship uh, cross sports in this summer, and it's actually in your country, in Australia and New Zealand. It's the women, uh, Women's uh, Football Championship, oh. World Championship, but, uh, and it starts the 20th of July. But other than that, you know, there, there's no other football championships. There's no uh, Olympic. So, so it will be a lot of attention towards the Tour de France this summer. I would say extra. So if, if I could choose one year, this would be the one. Oh, perfect. You know, um, I was chatting with, there's a bit of a giveaway to everyone listening, the next guest coming up, but I was chatting with Tobias Foss uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And he mentioned, ah, cool. yeah, it was great. Really nice young man. And um, he told me yes, some cool stories is. about his family uh, and his, his whole small town where he's from. It's not, I think, the same yeah. town Edvald Bosenhagen's from. And yeah, Lila Yes. Yeah, very small town. And during the world championships, they all, you know, went under this one big sort of, uh, I guess, auditorium and watched uh, his, mm. his world championships ride and, and win that, uh, the time trial rainbow bands. Yes. And yeah, just yes. amazing. When he got back, um, you know, they had a big party for him and uh, small town, but they were all, the eyes were on it. And I can only imagine that will be all around, um, you know, the, the region so yeah and you know we, we are we are far up north there on this uh, on this globe and and we are we have a very big country it's not australia but it's I, it's a very long and big country in norway and but yeah. we're not that many people you know we're I, I don't know around six million people now so um so these environments they are they are quite small i would say um but it's well very well suited for development of sports um because you can keep your identity and you can keep our, your people close. Um, and I think we have found a very solid model for that in, in Norway. And Tobias is, is, is a fantastic representative for that model, I would say. Um, a model of, of being talented, but at the same time doing multi-sports when he's young. Yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, provide, being very long-term in, in how we approach the development of his, of his body. So it's... Uh, a superb story to, to tell mm, absolutely mm. and just quickly on the the, um, the women's team uh, what were some of the positives you took away from last year's season for the women's uh that we got the system going that we that we that we completed the full year i would say with with, with um quite good control uh, from a sporting perspective it was a bit more like expected you, you can't just expect to put together a team of yeah. of uh, 11 12 riders and then succeed the day after it takes time um, and we had some 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 ups but we also had certainly some downs um, and uh, I think we we realized ahead of this year that that we need to bring in more experience to provide our younger girls with, with I would say, a bit more of a safety in terms of, of, of responsibility. Uh, so you got uh, and I think, yeah, you, you, go you on. brought in Didrikson, Emily Didrikson. 
former world champ. Didriksen, yeah, Didriksen and Maria Giulia Confalonieri from it Italy and uh, Anushka Koster from the Netherlands, uh, former Dutch champion and Maria Giulia, she she yeah, she was fantastic last year. Mm. Third in Ghent Bergen, she came third in the in the chase for the green jersey into the France. So, um uh, I, I guess that's my take on it. We, we we learned a lot from having our first year on the road. This year will be more about making sure that we bring out the potential we have in the team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's very exciting. And does do the men's and women's team do they ever uh, train together? Do they get together at the end of the year or the start of the year? Was it mainly? Oh, a variation of things. Uh, one issue is that we are a bit, we are, we, we're many, you know, we have 56 riders under contract now, if you count the Devo team as well. Yeah. So it's not that easy to gather the whole group during a year. Um, but with this year, we had a big overlap uh, four or five days now in, in January in, in Altea and in, during our training camps. Hmm. Uh, but, it, but it's not like we gather everyone involved. Uh, we haven't done that the last this winter. Uh, but that is more related to practicalities than anything else. I think we will see more and more cross-team work here in relation to training camps, uh, altitude training, uh, and uh, yeah, and so on. So um, some benefits, but at the same time, they are separate systems working on on their identity and how to develop as a team. Keep in mind that the men's team has been operating for since 2016, 17, and the women's team is very young. Mm -hmm. So they're not, in, you know, equally balanced yet yes. in terms of where they are on the development scale. Mm. And speaking of mm. balanced, Jens, um, do you think the, I wanted to get your take on the women's um, World Tour calendar. It's also, there's been a little bit of chat about it being, uh, you know, it's quite dense and maybe perhaps a little too dense. Um, for the for the team sizes, etc. What do you think? As long as the calendar is voluntarily, we are not forced to race any of the races. It's up to the team to select their their calendar. Mm. Um, then I don't see the big thing mm. uh, because we are allowed to decide which races to participate in. Yeah. Um, and this is different from the men's world tour where, where you have to race almost every world tour race if it's not off, launched after, I guess, 2017. Yeah. So um, uh, I think it, it is also a nice challenge because you have to be smart now in terms of how to, to, to create your own calendar, thinking about the points and thinking about the total um, uh, efforts that every the team has to, has to be able to handle. Um, so, so yeah, it's a big calendar. It, I think it will be corrected because it's too big. But, but I, I don't see like making a huge fuss about it because we can decide on our own. That's right. I think that that often mm. gets missed when people talk about it on, on social media. The fact that it is, yeah, you can choose. You don't. You're not pulled to all the directions. But that. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Those discussions about setting up the calendar for men's and women's teams, it just might, it must take forever. It must take a long time. Yeah, this is this is what you spend uh, October and November and, and December on. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, it's cycling is logistics. That will never that will never change. Um, and it's of course this is this is also 
very important in terms of organization and structure, the people who get on board. Uh, one thing is handling it from the beginning in January and February, but you need to make sure that your people is not dead, you know, uh, when you're in August and September. It's a long year. So everyone is uh, there with fresh legs in February, riders, staff, everyone, and oh, fantastic, the season is, is going on again. And then you sit there in August and you just see the system, you, you get tired, you know. So, so you need to have enough people and good people making sure that they, they are experienced and able to handle that complete setup of a very complex and long calendar. Mm. Yeah, mm. wow, that's a... It's many, many hours on the road. The riders, they are, they're flying in and out. I, I, sorry, I don't feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for, for our mechanics sitting in the truck for 20 hours, making sure you get the truck to the next race. That's, yeah. that's the travel story of the team. That's Teams. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay, and a uh, couple of questions. One more, actually two more questions. Well, I asked this yeah. last year. Uh, this, this year, if you could sign any rider, to the men's and women's team, gents, at the end of 2023. <laughs> who, who would be at the top of the list? Uh, so uh, I have to be careful now because when I say it to you, it tends to happen. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, there are some very not strong Norwegians on outgoing contract. Um, and uh, I hope to get at least some of them back to my team. But I, I don't think I will be able to get all of them. But Tobias Foss, Andreas Lechnesun, uh, Sven-Erik Byström, Marcus Hulgård and, and Jonas Wiedeberg, they are all out of contract this year. Um, hopefully some of them will raise their hand and say, I want to come back because this is just going wild up here in Norway and I want to be a part of it. Isn't it though? Um, That's how it looks. Yeah, so, yeah. And I've always said, and I... Uh, it might not happen, but I've always said that what goes around comes around. And, and I, I, these four out of five of these guys, they've already been in our team. And I hope they, they left with a smile. I, I think they still observe the project uh, from distance. And, and then we will see how things plays out. But um, um, I want to create a very strong classic team and a very strong GC team. And, and these are riders excite, exciting for us. In the women's uh, peloton, uh, it is, um, I would say, a bit more uh, difficult. It's not that many riders available. Mm. If I have to choose one that I've always been very weak of, but, but she's very tied to Spain and, and probably will, it will stay like that. But uh, uh, I've always been a very big fan of Emma. Um, okay. And I, one thing is Emma's racing style and how she develops, but she has a fantastic yeah, personality as well. Um, she's full charm and, and brings so much enthusiasm to the people around her. And I, uh, I don't know, maybe down the road it will be a, a, a great opportunity for us. But uh, but she's still a bit in contract with Movistar, and I'm sure they will do everything they can to keep her. Yeah, yeah, Emma Norsgaard. I chatted with her the night before Roubaix, actually, and um, she's yeah. one of my favourites as well. She's, uh, yeah, very exciting rider and, and um, very personal too. A good role model for young women as well. A very good role model in many aspects, I would say. Um, also how she has developed into the sport. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, and she knows that. <laughs> <laughs> 
great. Well, yeah, I really appreciate your time, mate. That's um, it was really good to catch up again and, and hear more about Uno X. It's um, it's the podcast's favorite team, I believe. From all the <laughs> well, so, thanks for having me, Jeff. Uh, yeah. It's a pleasure always talking to you, man. So it was nice meeting you in Australia as well. Yeah, that was great. That was great. All right, yeah. yes. we'll take care. And, uh, Likewise, have a wonderful day, man. You too. Cheers, mate. Cheers. podcast done and dusted thanks to Jens for coming on the pod yet again and make sure you cheer Uno X uh, when they're at the Tour de France and all the races really especially Roubaix I think we're going to see the uh, revival of Rasmus Tiller had a quieter season last year but I'm a big fan of, of Rasmus and hopefully he pops off in 2023 thanks to Zwift thanks to Smith Optics thanks to Attacker of course Cyclic but most of all Legends Thanks to you for listening. It means so much that you guys listen to these podcasts and I always appreciate when you're sending me a message saying you like the episode or just chatting shit with some of my stories on Instagram. Um, it's just fantastic. And I make these pods so people can enjoy them. And um, yeah, look, if you're still listening now, guys, you know, if you're still listening now, you are the OG fans going right to the back end of the pod, okay, listening to this dribble. But hey, the true fans get the gossip right. This year, I'm pushing big time to get to the Tour de France fans. All right, that's my big goal for this season. I'm driving it so hard, and uh, look, I'm ticking all the boxes from what I need to get over there um, with regards to all my sponsors. But um, for the pod, I'm ticking all the boxes. It's looking promising, but I'm pushing so hard. So. Make sure you guys share the pot around. Tell a friend who doesn't know about it. When you're on a bunch ride, look to your left, look to your right. Before you chop them up, say, hey, mate, listen to the Press Room Podcast. You'll like this episode. And then proceed to put them in the gutter or drop them on the climb because um, the more people listening, the bigger this gets, the more chances I'll have to get over the Tour de France fems and cover that race and get some awesome content for you guys and more awesome podcasts live. I mean, I might have to start learning French, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. It's going to be this week, uh, next week coming, or the one after that. Um, just depends on one fine detail. But, uh, yeah, we're back at least weekly or fortnightly from the time being. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.